Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Innerverse. And today we've got a guy who's very relatable for many of us, I'm sure, because his podcast is called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. And although I've kind of come over the hurdle myself out of my family thinking I'm crazy to they just think I'm kind of weird and they don't fully get me. <laughs> many of the things we talk about on our show, we just can't bring to the normie 3D reality world. And since we just finished up Thanksgiving here in the States, we're recording this podcast on the darkest of days, Black Friday. And our guest, Mark, has just finished up <laughs> his Black Friday shopping. I'm sure he was out since the crack of dawn getting all those hot consumerist deals. <laughs> oh, man, not at all. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, right. Um, but Mark, Mystic Mark, he's the host of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, as I said, also runs an awesome network called Alt Media United, which he invited me to join with Interverse a few months back. What else is he up to? I probably won't list it all, so I'll kick it over to him. But I do want to point out that he does the my or the uh, handbook for the apocalypse podcast with our good buddy, Michael Wan. So there's a lot of good things on the table today to possibly talk about. He's one of the hardest working podcasters that I've ever run ac uh, across in the whole time I've been doing it. He's putting out so much stuff, making so many connections. Definitely uh, another synchromistic sage and lore master of all things occult and conspiratorial. Very excited to be talking to you finally on the podcast. Oh, one other thing. I was on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. Not too far back in the archives. Episode but you might 88. Have to 88. Crazy eights. People <laughs> have been listening to me a lot lately. No, I'm Got a lot going on with 88s and 888 lately. Anyway, Same. pretty interesting, right? So go dig that up. You might have to scroll a while because he put so much stuff on that RSS feed. You can find the links to everything in the show description, wherever you're turning into this. And worth your time to go give a subscribe to Mark and his many, many works that are all on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast RSS feed. So, man, did I leave anything out? How you doing? Welcome to Interverse. Wow. Thank you, Chance, for putting that so poignantly. I appreciate the kind words. And to add to the synchronicities, not only were you on episode 88 of my show, but I just published episode 108 today. So look at that. We definitely have a theme of eights, but yeah, it's a pleasure, man. It's it's uh, obviously, like you said, uh, a Black Friday. So I'm curious to see how that tone uh, seeps through the conversation because I definitely, I, I think you might be uh, in resonance with this, but I, I'm kind of opposed to the the overall or the overarching themes of most of American holidays. You know, the the more underlying current of love and family, yes, are extremely important to me. But when it comes to like, the overall flavor of what our holidays have become in my lifetime, it just feels like a big divergence into commercialism, consumerism, materialism. So yeah, to, to put that out there, that was a, a big part of, of today with black Friday and just, you know, the town I live in is kind of like a shopping town for adjacent towns. So a lot of traffic comes in on days like today. So it was a little bit of a like, oh man, I got this to do, I got this to do. And 
So, but what I did have going on, uh, as you pointed out, is your handbook for the apocalypse, or as you put it, my handbook for the apocalypse. As someone who listens to it, I right. love that you titled it that way. <laughs> I'm um, a big fan of that show. Thank you. And we just put uh, another episode together this morning. Mike and I had a conversation um, and we just did episode 11 and we kind of talked a little bit about our Thanksgiving experiences. And what was interesting is that Mike and I were both picky eaters when we were, (laughs) when we were younger and we both got kind of picked on by our families at Thanksgiving for being picky eaters. And then the other thing we had in common, which was funny to me at least was we're both the youngest uh, of our family as far as cousins go. Like we have a lot of much older cousins, like all my cousins have kids and are married already. And I just turned 27. So like for me growing up, a big part of my holidays was hanging out with my cousin's kids because they're the life of the party. You know, they're all like between the ages of one and 10 and, and they all love hanging out with me. Cause I'm, I still have like that, youthful energy, even though I look like an adult, you know, so I'm like kind of known as the uh, unpaid babysitter when it comes to holidays, but me too, man, it's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you, and I'm sure you share this kind of like youthful energy, like when, and when you're around kids, since we're I know how to have a tea party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, but you, you get into it because it's like, it's a part of the human experience. And I think a lot of adults are uncomfortable going outside of their age range like that, unless they're a parent, obviously, I think parents have a different relationship with that, but for like family members, you know, growing up and having that element, that influence, cause they're, they don't live close. So it's, they're not in my monthly life, but they're in my yearly life. And, you know, every year seeing them, it's like a resurgence of this youthful energy. And I think that is, is essential uh, for me on a personal level to like interact with the, the, the kids. Cause they have that uh, bounding sort of positivity just coming out of them. And as they get older, you know, they learn more like swear words. Now they're starting to call me like they, like yesterday they hit me with Mark, you have little boobs, you know, like, so like they're getting like, they're getting like a little bit fresh, you know, as kids do as they get older, but you know, it's, it's just, that always brings me joy. But then there's the flip side of like, well, my family thinks I'm crazy. So for the most part, like that's my that's my like escape is to hang out with the kids because I know if I mingle with the older ones too much, there's gonna be some clashing, there's gonna be some awkwardness, there might even be some tension. And there certainly was yesterday, being that this was the first Thanksgiving in uh two years, you know, because I think our family, like a lot of families, took last year's holidays off. You know, everybody was very afraid of the cooties. And I love that term. You shared that term with me when you were a guest on my show and I've been using it ever since. Um but everyone was afraid of the cooties. So there was a lot of like tension as like what was going to happen this, you know, holiday season. And for me, it was even double because like some stuff happened between me and my cousin that I don't really want to get into at all. But, you know, that gave like this air of tension to where like, I didn't really want to get into like the fun kind of what makes like my family makes them think I'm crazy. That kind of angle, which I was hoping to get into, it really got like, 
you know, kicked out from under me, like the rug got pulled out from under me because of that like sore spot that my cousin and I had it was really off. The kids definitely, you know, brought that positivity back, which was again, you know, a perfect, uh, uh, you know, re- restoration, I guess you can say of that youthful energy that I really do appreciate from this synchro kind of mindset. You know, you can see how, there is creativity there. You can see how there's potential there. Right. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because now that I have the podcast, you know, my family knows about it. And again, you know, they're an hour or so away, so they're not in my life every month. You know, it's really just on holidays and birthdays that I see them. So there's like little snot, sly little jokes like, Oh yeah. Did we, uh, you know, how, and, you know, crazy, like, you know, they're kind of like hinting at the title of my show, but none of them are going to listen to it. So I didn't really entertain it. And, you know, I don't want to come here with that kind of sore energy because it's really not, it was a fun time uh, altogether when I look at it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, there's this thing where it's like, yeah, you guys think I'm crazy and I don't think I'm going to really get through to you. You know, it's not hopelessness, but it's almost like come here at your own risk. Like you want to talk to me about some of this stuff, listen to my podcast. Like, and that's, that's like what happened yesterday where one of my, uh, not my blood relatives, but like, uh, you know, in-law asked me like, oh, how's the podcast going? And I'm like, just listen to it. If you care, just listen to it. Cause I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and get into like the various things that we talk about because a, some of them might offend you and B others would just like totally baffle you. Like, can you imagine trying to explain Tartaria to like a normie? Like, it's just not, you know, like they're just going to think that you're nuts, you know? So, and, and what's so great about having the podcast community is not that it's an echo chamber, but it's a balancing because that was an echo chamber. You know, I was raised in this echo chamber of like mainstream media. So I'm not like escaping to an, uh, an echo chamber that suits my biases. I'm like balancing it out for the first time because for the longest time, and this is what really played into creating that title of my show Anytime I voiced any opinion that seemed somewhat that it, it like really resonated with me, like it felt like like you're almost nervous when you're you're getting it out. Those thoughts, those things, when you're you're sharing something that you're like, yeah, no, I, I think you know, immortality is real, and like, but you mean it, like deep down, like like or reincarnation is real, and like people are like, huh, what, you know, those kind of. Uh, ideas just seem so foreign to them, which made me feel like a foreigner to them. Right. And now for the first time, I kind of have like a, a way of just being like, well, if you're interested, like just listen to the show, you know, I don't even have to have the social anxiety of explaining it to them anymore. They could just listen if they're curious. And and now I'll know next time, like if they do, cause they might actually, uh, say something, uh, nice about it. I don't know. I mean, or they won't say anything at all, in which case maybe they listened and they didn't like it, but that's like the consensual nature of, of podcasting too. It's like people aren't going to sit through your podcast if they don't want to listen to it. So, you know, I'm not really worried too much about what they think of the podcast. Cause I'm like, well, if you're listening to it 
that's a good thing. Even if you don't like it, you know, if you, if you played the whole episode out, I think over time, there's going to be a residual effect where maybe the, they start to see my side of things, you know? So it's, 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 it's feeling um, more and more like I'm finding my voice, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Love it, man. There's a lot of things I want to pick out from what you just flowed through. And what I most agree with is that you can't bring the deep end to the kiddie pool. You know, you can't throw them right in there. And what I get as a response from family members or sometimes friends who say, oh, I listened to an episode of your show. They say this all the time is I didn't understand any of it. I get that. And so that makes me think they probably went in just a few minutes and heard words they didn't know and turned it off. But the beauty of the journey as a whole is that you will start to make connections between all the seemingly different subjects. And it all is like, you're talking about one thing really, which is mind and consciousness and our interplay with the inner and outer world. The also artificial reality and the larger reality, like our buddy Juan talks about. So definitely having a place where a bigger conversation already exists so that you don't have to, give somebody just the highlights and fail to convey the information in a few sentences, which is what they're asking for. They're asking for the news, uh, like, you know, the soundbite information, just tell me what it is in as few words as possible, because I'm actually just making small talk, that type of thing. But if they're really interested, you point them to the content you've made. I've got key episodes in my archive like this, where if somebody is actually genuinely interested in finding out about something, maybe they ask a question in the telegram or somewhere like that, or email me. I just point them straight to this episode where I can fully explain it or not fully explain it, but in a more in-depth way. And mm. I don't have to repeat myself over and over again, because that might be ideas that I knew I could explain a lot more back when I had that conversation, but now I'm on to this other stuff. So, right. Right. That's and something I, I run into a lot with close people who are close to me. It's like, you know, I just do a podcast and then my girlfriend will be like, what'd you talk about? I'm like, ah, I just, you know, like, give me an hour and I'll like, let me process it all first, you know? <laughs> and then, and then the, the uh, inverse of that is like, oh, I heard you mention that one time. What is that all about? And it's like, I was thinking about that months ago, but one thing that, that you mentioned there with small talk, and I think that hits it on the head for me is because I, what I realized at a young age is that a lot of people were just engaging in small talk. And that's not to say that they were, you know, not caring or that they were just totally, you know, unfeeling or unsympathetic rather. It's just people have so much going on in their lives. I think, you know, they want to be polite and include you in their life, but they can only include you so much, you know, and the small talk for me, I've always had like a very, almost instinctive adverse reaction to small weird. talk. Right. And I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts have that same feeling because we're used to the long form. We're, we're, and especially hosts, you know, we're used to having these long conversations where you can like think about something, revisit it, you know, an hour into a conversation and like revitalize one. I, you know, there's like a very uh, dynamic form of conversation happening <clears throat> as to a, opposed to this like very minimalized 
almost conjectured form of conversation, which is small talk. And it's like, I think it was its intentions is to be relatable, like a bridge to strangers, you know, but a lot of times it falls flat on people who like, you know, ourselves are a little more empathetic to the subtle nature of the world and, and like people who just aren't aware of it for whatever reason, or maybe they're, they're, they're lying to themselves about it or keeping it a secret to others. But like there's a certain like subtlety of or deepness to certain people. And I think small talk for me, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I sound like a jerk here, but for me, when I get hit with the small talk, I'm very suspicious. And I I, I almost try to like pull the, the kiddie pool into the deep water, you know? And then maybe that's the wrong response. And maybe that's why I have some antisocial tendencies. But I think that like the small talk, really, like I've always tried to navigate around it rather than participate in it. Yeah, I mean, that is fair because you're protecting your own energy from something that doesn't feel right to you. One way that I've been thinking about it lately, though, this isn't this is just, you know, a yes. And because how we approach our family members and our loved ones is totally up to us. But you brought up the fact that at least the kids are like an escape into the good energy, playing, pretend, actively moving around, getting animated, all of those options. Well, Possibly another way to look at even the so-called grownups in the family would be like, well, these are kids that are in big bodies and maybe it's not something that's always possible, but whatever it is that they're interested in or want to talk about or that, you know, is a big part of their life, maybe just play pretend with them. That's what I've been doing. I've been playing pretend with them, just like having the tea party with the two-year-old girl and whatever I can get excited and authentically bring good, fun energy to with them, then it generates these feelings of love and connection, even between people that have very disparate ideas. And so that's just an option like that I've been exploring lately because I've butted heads since I was about your age. I also think it's cool. You're 27. There's so much 27 stuff going on right now in my like synchromistic studies that I could go on and on about that. I'll just say one of the interesting points is that there are six full moons in a row. And I think the most recent full moon was the second of the six that are in the 27th degree of the sign that they're in, which is kind of bizarre. And so there's a lot of mystical connections to 27. Uh, It's nine, 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 nine times three. Well, I, I, my 27th birthday may have happened during this, that cycle too, because I just turned 27 in October uh, on the 11th, actually like the, the, around the time we talked, or at least when I released the episode, I think I, I, I put our episode out together on my birthday. Cause I felt like it was such a good, uh, uh, like it resonated really well with who I am. No wonder you're so good with the words and so free spirited and cannot like successful at what you're doing. That's outside the norm right away. Libras are super lit. Love it. I got Thank a you. moon in Libra so I can relate to some degree. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about now though, is since we're on the subject of astrological things and we just did the Thanksgiving holiday, which is sort of replaced the idea of looking for things to be grateful for, or at least maybe not replace for everybody, but the whole consumerism gluttony thing has come up alongside of it. I've been thinking about the timing of Thanksgiving because 
We're coming from Scorpio, where there's a powerful dissolution energy that initiates a flow state of truth and the occult bubbling up in the deep waters. And then you move into uh, Sagittarius, which is the eyes. It's I see. And so you're seeing this occulted truth coming up. But part of that is requiring that you're in flow state to activate those Sagittarius superpowers. And another big synchro that's been nonstop since we entered Sag season is that the temperance card keeps coming up everywhere I look or the number 14, which is the number that it is in the deck. And here, you know, you can see the if you're looking at the video version of this, the the flow that's going from bottom to top. I think that we're looking at the cup at the bottom is actually somehow pouring water upwards, which that's a mystery in of itself. But temperance as a concept, at least in popular culture, it's about not overdoing it and being in balance. It's a Libra idea, too, but it's not being gluttonous or not succumbing to addictions or self-harm behavior that you're doing for the sake of like pleasure seeking. And it's weird that here we go. Like I noticed that all these things are constantly timed on purpose. Like Disney plus just released a Hawkeye movie or series and Hawkeye eyes. And he's the archer Sagittarius. And it came out right at the onset of Sag season. Can't remember the exact date. This stuff is all the time. So maybe going back to whenever they established Thanksgiving, possibly a cloak and dagger type idea or a way that has been hijacked by our unconscious drives to remain um, not responsible for ourselves, and you know, that the, the collective has been doing for a long time, which is the bottom up swelling that creates the top down control and conspiracies. Maybe this Turkey day thing is really sabotaging temperance because of how There's just this idea of like, well, it's the holidays, so just have as many cookies as you want. I'm speaking for myself. (laughs) I had like a lot of cookies yesterday. I had a cookie hangover this morning. I could feel it. And so that's a way that your flow state and ability to see the truth can massively get sabotaged. And you factor in the the way that you're just saturated with advertisements and the Black Friday thing. And there's so much being dangled in front of your eyes. Like, look at these bright lights. It's Christmas time. The lights are out. And all of that hiding what could be a time of year where because the weather is different, it's colder, it's darker earlier, that we spend more time on our scribe duties, which is something I noticed a lot of Sagittarians are very apt at, which is just like pouring through information and picking out what's really key and relevant about it. And we all have all the Zodiac inside us. So this time of year is really opportune to spend time reading and studying and finding the truth and combing through all the things with a fine tooth comb to come to these greater perspectives. And I feel like maybe this holiday hitting right when it does sabotages all that for a lot of people's natural flow state and it's self-sabotage. So it's not like I don't need to have a boogeyman specifically tied to it or prove that it just seems like a pattern that exists. I wonder what you think. I think that, you know, even though we don't, have a culprit, I think that line of thinking isn't flawed because I think a lot of our culture is manufactured. And I think in the case of Thanksgiving, you're definitely onto something, even, you know, what really piqued my interest in what you just said was, you know, sort of this idea of giving up responsibility for our actions at this time. And, you know, if you consider 
the mythos of Thanksgiving being, you know, Squanto and the pilgrims, they had a, a dinner together and everything was cheery and we all worked together. And, and unfortunately the native Americans got sick and they didn't make it as long as we did, but we'll, you know, celebrate in their honor. Right. Well, that's obviously not the story. And it's even so far from the truth that like, when you go back and you look 400 years ago, exactly, actually it was in 1621, uh, the, Wepawag tribe, or uh, I say Wepawag all the time because that's the local tribe from my hometown, Wampanoag, the Wampanoag people that were in that area uh, of Plymouth Rock, you know, they were not at attendance. They were basically imposing themselves. So, you know, the dinner, the feast was taking place in, in uh, I think it's Imbolc, right? The pagan uh, harvest, like the end of the fall festival. I'm maybe getting that wrong, uh, but there's a pagan festival that they were sort of celebrating, but also not really because they're Puritans, right? So there's this kind of really strict Christian aspect to it. So the symbolism and the mythology about that, it's a little murky, but what I did find is that the Wampanoag tribe was standing around the feast, basically saying like, Hey, we're here. We know you're here. You know, they weren't participating in the dinner. It was more like an act of like, uh, you know, you're on our land. Don't forget that, you know, you can enjoy your feast. We're not going to come and, and hurt you, but just don't forget who's letting you stay here. So that got warped, obviously inverted, alchemized, you might even say to now where, you know, for the East coast, at least, it's all European history uh, and not a lot of remembrance, true remembrance for the Native American, save for maybe the archaeological societies. But for the longest time, you know, their theories on the Native Americans were that they came from, you know, hunter-gatherer, Stone Age people, and they hadn't innovated their technology much from that point, which I think we find when we look at the world through a, and history through a conspiratorial lens, we find that that's just absolutely untrue. And it might even come from something that's been of interest for the past few months for a lot of people. I mean, maybe the past few years, the world's fair and the Tartaria stuff, right? This whole rewriting the narrative. Uh, but even, you know, when you look into the Freemasons and the founding of this country, there's a lot of, uh, you know, information in the mainstream narrative that plain outright states like, Hey, the founding fathers, they learned a lot from the Lenape tribe. They learned a lot from all these people that were here and the Satchem ships that the Confederacy of the Iroquois, you know, that inspired what we now call our United States democracy, that system, you know? So there's a lot of cultural um, blending that occurred, but now only one side is really represented heavily. The other side is represented in this very victimized state. And I think, you know, something that I learned over the past few months, but even clearer when I spoke to the author himself, I had Peter Shampoo on the podcast. That's the episode that I mentioned that just came out today. And he is somebody who wrote the book Gaia Matrix. It's basically a geographic or geographic mapping of the ley lines and the energy corridors of the North American continent. He has other books where he goes into the rest of the world 
He has a really cool book called Moon Rivers, which I recommend everyone get because it's it's extremely fascinating. Now, why I bring this up is because one thing he mentioned is that, you know, as time goes on, the fourth you know nation, as he put it, the First Nations people, the the indigenous people, their voices are being respected more and more, right? And that is bringing the truth the true heartbeat of this land that we're on right now, you and I, uh, maybe not everyone listening to the show. I'm sure there's listeners in, on other continents, but the majority, at least that listen to my podcast are here in North America, Canada and the U S and, and what's happened here is something that, you know, yes, there was a cultural blending, but there was an inversion. You know, there was a culture here for a very long time. They had very deep sacred processes, traditions that were, kept with these sacred sites. They had relationships with these sacred sites through the stones, through the mountains, through the rivers, and through, you know, traveling to place to place and honoring the different spirits of the land. I think since that stopped happening, since that's been replaced by ceremonies like Thanksgiving, there's been an overall like weakening of the power of the, the continent, the earth itself, you know, this portion of the earth. And what we need to do, not just as podcasters or people interested in this stuff, but as a, a race, we need to begin to honor the earth again. And I think what we find in Native American culture is the key to understanding this, because let's consider the history of empire. For the longest time, I mean, if we're not going to, if we're just going to look at what we would know as written history and we're going to take the alternative history stuff and save that for another conversation, I'm totally a fan of all of that. I think it's extremely interesting, but I think just for the point of this argument, empire hasn't really had much influence on the North and South American continent, save for maybe the past thousand years since the Maya civilization kind of sprung up, you know, there was really only one or two empires in the traditional sense of the word empire um, in the sense of like a ruler dominating over a group of people that may be wrong. Uh, Again, the alternative history stuff might say otherwise, but my point is, is there's sort of an older or or a, a, a less broken connection or link between the people who lived in North and South America and ancient times than there was for the rest of the continents, right? So Europe, Africa, Asia, for the most part, these continents had such a propagandized uh, course of history where constant rewriting, constant revisions, constant changes, you know, different power centers burgeoning and collapsing and different people taking over that makes for a very messy history and a very messy culture. There's a lot to piece together. Whereas the native Americans in North America and South America, their link, yes, maybe just as messy. There were conflicts amongst them. I'm not saying it was a utopia, but their link to the ancient times, the pre-flood times in my mind, when I look at the material seems to be stronger, less broken up. And that is why there was such a strong movement of the colonial powers to subjugate and invert the Native American culture, to enslave, impoverish, 
and straight up disconnect them from their land. And what we find is certain groups like the Jesuits, yes, they went on missionary work and all of that, but they were information gatherers. You know, they were taking magical information and concealing it, sucking it up. And they're not the only culprit. There's probably many others. I call them the original intelligence agency. They're like the Vatican CIA, but also ninjas. But, and you have this history of them basically exploring all these uh, parts of America that weren't, uh, finger quotes here, civilized by the Europeans. So they would explore and they would find all this information. And, you know, one thing that, that really stuck with me that a mentor of mine shared with me was during this time, you know, the people who colonized on the far reaching civilizations where, you know, these Jesuits possibly, they would do some really, really messed up stuff. And one of the things that I I remember hearing from Amos that, you know, I'll never forget was that when some of these priests or missionaries would, you know, meet a tribe, they would come in and they would take the elder, the oldest one, they would kill him right in front of everybody. And then they would cut his head open and basically eat his brain like soup. And, you know, that's what he told me. I'm not going to say that that's like something I read in a book, but I trust Amos. He's a person who, you know, had no reason to lie to me. He was born uh, a native. So all this stuff was very close to him and, and who he was. And he saw in me someone who cared about this information. And that's where our kind of mentorship started. Just, you know, in a park, you know, it wasn't anything official. I didn't find a pamphlet or anything like that. You know, we actually met over a joint, you know, I was smoking a joint and and that's kind of how we started talking. So, but I never forgot that. And the more I've learned about what actually happened in the past 400 years since, you know, and, and it's more than 400, it's really more close to 600 years, right? The 1400s was really when Europeans started coming into uh, North and South America. And the other thing that was really interesting that always stuck with me that Amos told me was that they had a book about this thick and it told them everything about the Mayan and the Aztec cultures here way before they ever set sail. So there was obviously cultural influence, thus, you know, why I pointed out the alternative history side of things. But from the mainstream perspective, it's, it's pretty easy to understand why you know, the Vatican or the European powers, which were all kind of like, you know, just competing with the Vatican, you know, even like they all kind of do the same thing. They all have like the idea is to rule and be the only authority under God, you know, and God's chosen authority. Right. And anyone who was a heathen was not uh, subjugated to the same rights because they were not Christian and they didn't belong in the kingdom of heaven, right? This is kind of the basis of why the new world was colonized and all of the people here weren't considered, you know, not worthy of owning land. And that claim, I guess, you know, had to be kind of like you said, with this intelligence agency, they had to figure that out first, you know? So they went in, they said, oh yeah, these are all just heathens. There's no evidence that any of them are Christian. And, you know, we're out of here, burn them all, you know, that kind of mentality to it. And it's really sad what happened. But I think the truth is, is they couldn't accomplish their goal. And the indigenous people here are still here. 
and they're still strong and they have lots of issues. And we all have lots of issues as human beings. You know, we all share that plight. It's not just them anymore. I think the fact is, is we're living in a continent uh, and the ancestors here for thousands of years were from that sort of type of culture. And you can't just come in and replace that. There's a spiritual rebounding. There's a metaphysical sort of rebounding that takes place. And I think processes like the Thanksgiving ceremony are a way of keeping this alternative reality superimposed on top of that ancestral, sorry, ancestral energy that is permeating from the land itself. Thus why we as people, when we connect back to these sacred sites, become like a conduit to bring that energy back into the present moment. Whoo. <laughs> right. Now I'll just start with the last thing that popped into my mind to just keep this train going, but I've thought of a lot of detours that might be worthwhile. But do you think that our cultural disbelief generally in reincarnation has to do with this disconnection from the flow of ancestral energy and the land? YOLO. That's the, that's the, the phrase that became like a pop culture thing when I was in high school. And I remember like, I'm that. just thinking of my family, how like they think of someone, they went to heaven and they're there forever. You right. Know? That's the other thing too. That, and that's, I think what's interesting is that Christian influence is very clearly to us uh, kind of like suppressing and like, it just, it, it's like, spiritualism light you know it's like the like the beta version of it so to speak but it's not uh for good intentions it's because they're keeping us from the the more advanced software you know <laughs> that is our mind on that illuminated level they're they're giving us a taste of it to keep us in this box you know i think that concept is really clear but without escaping the the overall point really i think you know when it comes to how our parents perceive the idea of reincarnation it's just not it's just not there you know and that in a really subtle way has in the modern age backed up capitalism but in maybe more older times backed up this kind of christianized idea of world and of kingdoms, you know, there's like certain psychological concepts within commerce that are fundamental to our uh, plight here, I guess, if we want to use that word. But I think the lack of reincarnation uh, is part of that, you know, because if you have this idea of a finite life, then it really limits you in this spiritual field. Cause I think once I, you know, I, I didn't always believe in reincarnation. I always kind of had a feeling of what that was. And because I was born in the times I was born in, that idea was much more available to my young mind. So when I found that idea, I sort of, it resonated with me. And then as I got older, I realized how true it was, you know, I don't think people for the past hundred years, I don't think that was an opportunity. Maybe after the sixties, it was more of an opportunity, but from like 1860 to 1960, that idea was not really 
that present in most people, the average person, or at least the commercial, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, John and, and Jane, you know, uh, keeping up with the Jones kind of that culture, right. That wasn't a part of it. That was thought to be silly and all that, but spiritual people have existed with that idea for the, you know, since the beginning of time, I think. So it's, it's always been there and it always will be. I think reincarnation is just, uh, it's self-evident, you know, but the fact is, is that it's definitely a part of the, if we want to call it a psyop, if we want to call it culture creation or society keeping, you know, it's a part of that. And it's, I think it's crucial uh, to get over that and really understand that you are not limited to just one life. And I think there's a lot of potential to wake people up to that. Um, and it could change the world for the better. Cause then, I mean, that gives people, you know, more reason to honor the planet because you realize like, Hey, I might come back to this place again, you know, and that litter that I just littered is going to be there when I'm born again. And, and like when I'm a baby in my next life, like maybe I'm not going to, you know, have all the uh, things to deal with that. Like what I do now, you know, so maybe I should deal with this problem now. So it's not twice as, you know, a problem far into the future, you know, that kind of thinking I think is really anachronistic to our society. We're so like finite. And that's why I kind of said YOLO because the, the reflex from this sort of conservative uh, religious sort of culture was to be like atheists and screw the man and like all this, like, and YOLO was kind of like part of, for whatever reason, when I was in high school, that became like a term, like you only live once. So so that's a justification to drink, you know, your drink all night or, or do drugs, you know, and like that, or drive really fast, you know, like this is like all the typical dangerous stuff high school kids can possibly do. And maybe worse, you know, like this concept of you only live once, it just feeds into the overall system that is parasitic. You know, that's something Mike and I were talking about today with uh, his examination of the Macy's day parade and how, you know, it, it just seemed like that it's so odd that everything about the Macy's parade was so uh, contrast to the opening ceremony, which was like in honor of the native Americans. And then it's like, here's a movie float. Here's like a, com a consumerism song. Like here's a bunch of chicks shaking their butts, like on a float. Like here's a, you know, it's just like such a, uh, we're throwing candy to the children. Yeah. It's just a bastardization of the sacred, you know, that's what I think it is. And it's, it's meant to be participated in unknowingly, you know, and a kind of like shame on you for participating. Ha ha ha. We tricked you into, you know, defaming the sacred. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's something I want to back up to the story of the the cannibalism of the brain. Very yeah. interesting. Super symbolic. What like right. regardless of if it's fully true or that we can point to it and prove it. So anyway, back to first look, I'll go to the YOLO thing, the self-limiting nature of that whole belief structure that what it's built on, whether you're we got to recognize that even if you're going into the atheist, like live fast, die young type of thing, or you're going full tilt religious and your belief is that 
you suffer here and then you're rewarded in heaven. All of these are self-limiting or even slave mentalities. And I'm not saying that you're in a slave mentality if you identify as Christian to back that backtrack that. But the way that obviously anyone that has a real spirituality, Christian or not, and sees the way that mass religion works and what most people accept is true and how that helps them sleep at night and justify their their shitty life, really, because, well, it'll be fine. I'm I'm really just living to get to heaven, all of that stuff. It's super self-limiting and it fits into an older pattern of priestcraft going back at least as far as the Canaanites and this idea of Phoenicians. I think that the, the cults are alive and well that have been obscuring the truth of things all the way from history and the true nature of the spiritual realm to UFOs or the, uh, the boats in the sky, all of that. And the, the religions themselves of the actual priests have so much encoded related to ships. Like you brought up the Empire. That's the 13 and the fire. Pyre is fire. And it's the men of fire, the pirates, pirates, pirate ships, boats, piracy. Commerce is a form of piracy in and of itself. And you see it in the CNN broadcast group. CNN is Canaan. Even the word can, uh, cannibal is Canaan ball and ball cannon, cannon balls are fired off of ships. <laughs> like there's, so there's the canon, which is the accepted information, orthodoxy about history, the canon literature, you know, all of these words go back to these similar phonetic roots and a really good place to check out for how this worked on the commerce side is Mike and uh, Ross Ben. Mike Juan Ross Ben did that Balin in America. At least watch part one, people. Look up Balin in America, B-A-A-L-I-N. You can actually, you can listen to it too for all the audio folks out there who don't have uh, patience for YouTube's ads. You can go to Susquehanna Alchemy's RSS feed and listen to the whole 40th Parallel series. I I uploaded it a couple uh, weeks ago. That's true. I listened to some of it that way. And then... Honestly, I pay stupid YouTube to turn off the ads. I don't feel good about it, but so much YouTube content that I just, I have to. So anyway, though, that was like, we, I, I touched on a lot of things there, but generally my point is that when you, I'm agreeing with you that whenever you limit people to not believe in reincarnation and you disconnect them from what is still commonly held as true in a lot of native American cultures, what's been preserved of them is that you live for the next seven generations in mind, not just the one that you're on because a, you're going to be back here most likely. And like, like there's another double reverse that I think is unhelpful from like places like Buddhism, which I look at mainstream Buddhism as being fully in the same vein and even possibly pulled by the same puppeteers as the Vatican and the symbolism. There's plenty there to suggest that. That's, that's like whole, that needs more research. The whole llama structure is very curious. I'm 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 really happy you brought that up. My friend Yogi uh, Zorananda, I definitely would love to put you in touch with him. Maybe you guys could have a conversation together. Uh, shout out to him and his podcast, the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. Um, him and I are going to get into this book called Sinister Yogis, and I know this is like a different kind of. Uh, 
group than Buddhists. Obviously, there's more Hindu influence in in yoga, but I think the the fact is is that religion and dogma, no matter where they are, have that sort of inverse relationship where as soon as it gets institutionalized some way, somehow there becomes that element of, you know, uh, not materialism, but really like power, a power dynamic. And, you know, we in the West, we've been so like beaten into with that Christian cross that like we, you know, I think made a mad dash towards Eastern philosophy in the sixties and found that a lot of that stuff came from uh similar roots you know and yeah and krishna christ krishna it's all the same thing and like the i think that the controllers just fragmented and compartmentalized a larger tradition and put pieces of it here pieces of it there but phonetically right. the links go all the why, way through that's why this synchronistic or syncretic lens that we're all sort of crowdsourcing here in the podcasting community, you know, it could lead you down a lot of roads and you can have maybe a extremely different conclusion than someone else who's listening to the same material. But I think ultimately what we're finding is like that Jeet Kune Do Bruce Lee style of really like finding what works for you as a soul, as a spiritual being. And I think because of the inherent nature of the spiritual that's going to be very similar for a lot of people that like toolkit, whereas maybe in martial arts, it's more dependent on your like shape and size. You know what Jeet Kune Do is if for those who aren't aware is Bruce Lee's motto was like, don't just practice karate, like learn whatever karate moves work for you, but then also go and learn like Aikido. Cause you know, you don't want to come across a guy who knows a style that you're not familiar with. So you got to learn from every single style of martial arts and take what works for you and blend it into one thing. That being said, as spiritual beings, I don't know that there's much uh, variation. I think maybe culturally, ancestrally, sure. Uh, language definitely plays a part in that. But I think for the most part, a human is a human is a human. And I think our souls play in that same vein. So uh, what's true for you is probably true for me. If one meditation works for you, it, it most likely could work for me as well. And, and that's why that syncretic lens through uh, examining all these different religions is important because we can, we're not cherry picking, we're, we're resurrecting what's been lost, you know, because what I think is happening is an ancient, very ancient totality of truth once existed, like as the blueprint. And as time goes on, that blueprint gets like, you know, you know, paste it on top of people add to it. It gets altered and and the game of telephone through human history. Right. So I think we're really dealing with something like that. So it's on us to use our spiritual intuition to like find the pieces and put them back together. And when we put the pieces together, the puzzle might not have the same image as it does for you, as it does for me, as it does for John and Jane listener. But at the end of the day, the process is really what is, is, is important is, is participating in the process. And what you'll find, what you're putting together with each puzzle piece is like your part of the Akashic record, right? If we want to call that game of the telephone, the Akashic record. So it's almost on you 
to be as honest as you can and give a, a clear and true perspective on your experience here in the hole. I love what you said there. And it's almost like things haven't changed that much because when you have a priest class that is between you and the divine as like the dogma inverters, <laughs> it just people spell dogma backwards and see what that gets you. <laughs> Invert that word. <laughs> They're like the middlemen, right? Middle management. The, it's always been middle management that's been doing things against humanity, not really the masters above. They just convince us to do it to ourselves. But the word um, you said, we're playing telephone with these spiritual ideas. And that's interesting too, because tele is very similar to the Greek word like teleos, which has to do with uh, ultimate, the ultimate meaning of something, what something means. Teleological is a study of meaning of things and phony phone <laughs> phones are, has a lot of word play. You can get into it as well, but it's like a phony meaning whenever we're going through these priest classes, which they're like the telephone receiver for us to speak to the divine through because they're our intermediaries. And now we've sort of changed that. And we're actually getting this information from our phones right now. Like how many people listening right now are on the telephone to receive this? Difference being that hopefully we're pointing people to get off the phone at some point and make these connections for themselves, do their own investigation of their area, do their own spiritual practices. And a good segue, I think, to round out the last like five or seven minutes in the first hour here would be to talk about how you started Alt Media United, your inspiration behind that and how you're gathering together the best voices that you can in that place to do what the old priest classes have failed to do for so long, which is actually help us connect to truth and see it. Thank you. Wow. What a great intro to Alt Media United. I appreciate that. And that's, that's definitely a part of it. You know, the big fear that I felt and that I heard uh, for the longest time as a, as a listener of the show, uh, you know, was people being censored, people being, you know, unsure of where to post their content and things like that, that are a little on the less interesting, more technical inside baseball type of world of podcasting. And, you know, instead of just being like a know-it-all who like, after I podcast with somebody, you know, just says like, Hey, are you doing this, this, and this, and this, and this, like, you should do this, you know, like I felt like there was a lot going on, you know, the union of the unwanted was a part of uh, the mix for sure. Because when I saw that come together, I was like, wow, like if only that was like a real network, but you know, I shy away from using that term network. Cause I really am uh, happy with what we've settled on, which is a cooperative. And when I say we, it was myself and Alex Sikaris from the Skeptico podcast who did a lot of the sort of building. Um, he definitely helped me afford forward to do it. Cause you know, I left my job as an Amazon driver. I started working for Sam Tripoli and that wasn't paying me much. So I was doing Lyft as well. And then when Alex kind of hired me, that gave me the freedom to, you know, work full time basically at my podcast and helping Alex out and, and obviously booking for tinfoil hat. And since then, Alex and I, we've done a lot, you know, I don't particularly work for him anymore, but you know, that's only, I think really his decision was to stop 
paying me maybe to see how far I could take it on my own. And, you know, the idea, you know, like I mentioned, technologically, there's a lot of stuff you can uh, improve upon when you're a podcaster. And a lot of that stuff is not obvious. And then the other side of it is like, how do I avoid censorship? So all of those things were at play in my mind, how to figure this out. And ultimately what I realize is like right now as a podcaster, we're in a pretty good position. What it comes down to is like, there's a 2.0 index made by Adam Curry, the podcasting 2.0 index. And that basically took the keys out of Apple's pockets and put them back into the hands of the internet and you and I, and anyone who has a podcast, because what Apple used to have was like a directory an inventory of all the podcasts and they can shut off whatever podcast they want. And then, you know, it doesn't matter if you're listening on Apple podcasts, because you know, Spreaker and all these other guys, they just go and they take Apple's list and upload Apple's list through their app, right? So ultimately it all rooted back to Apple. Well, not anymore. Now, thanks to Adam Curry, all of the podcasts are, and others obviously couldn't do it alone, but, um, you know, thanks to them, they made this list. And now all of our podcasts, yours and I, are on this new list that's completely decentralized and for the people in that sense. And that's kind of like the emphasis is like, this is a freedom of speech technology. How can we support that? So it, right now it's a cooperative and that means I have you on my website, no charge to you. If you have a, a podcast out there and you're listening to this, please email me. I'd love to have your podcast on our site. And what that does is it, it brings people to your show who are already interested in this type of content, which I think you're not going to be able to do that through a lot of these apps. You know, unfortunately they're not geared for our genre, right? So when you go into the basic podcasting app, you cannot find a list of conspiracy podcasts. You can search the term conspiracy, but then you're just going to find every podcast that uses the word conspiracy in their title or in one of their episodes. You're not going to necessarily find a good conspiracy podcast, you know, no offense to anybody out there. I'm sure, you know, people uh, who have that title, you know, there, there is good content under that title, not say anything about them. But my point being is we're in a sort of a subjugated part of the internet and whatever I can do to help this content grow, I think is an act of service to the whole, to help the truth get out, you know, like you said. And, you know, so far that's been uh, the first objective we completed. We got the website. Now we're in phase two, gathering the forces, you know, getting as many people into this cooperative as we can. And along the way, learning as much as I can, you know, from other podcasters, how they do what they do. That's why in the beginning, I kind of sought out uh, more veteran podcasters like Tony Merkel. Uh, obviously, I work for Sam, so I'm kind of in his camp already. Uh, Greg Carlwood, you know, um, I, I don't want to forget anybody, but Miguel Connor, the propaganda report. I mean, it's, the list is pretty big now, so it's hard for me to, to remember. And of course the Grimerica show, I can't forget them because they were a huge inspiration. But the reason I asked those guys to be a part of it is not because, you know, they need my help. They actually don't need my help for the most part, but I want people to realize like, Hey, you see what those guys did? You can do that too. Like you don't have to like 
look at their show and feel intimidated because they have 500 episodes and 500,000 regular listeners. Like you can get there too. And like what the cooperative does is it gives people this sense of like a, an even playing field, which is there. I mean, we are in a community of open source technology. So it's really run by the people. And that's the other reason why this synchronicity is so cool. Because as time's gone on, the right people have come to me in the sense of like, I meet a guy like you, Chance, we hit it off. And then now you're a part of the cooperative, you know, and, and you're meeting folks who are in the cooperative. You're doing shows with some of our guys, uh, you know, and, and now it's like we're building more and more. And it's only going to extrapolate into something uh, as open source as possible because that's the mission statement, you know, like not that you were wrong by calling us a network. We're definitely a network of people, but we're not a network in the traditional media definition of what a network is in the sense of like, there's never going to be like an overarching, like alt media United rule that says like, Hey, if you don't do this, you're out, you know, like people are free to come and go as they please. And we have had people leave, you know, there's been uh, one podcaster who just, it wasn't the right fit for whatever reason, you know, and that's totally cool. I have no grudges against them whatsoever, you know, and that's kind of the way it operates. It's like, if you guys feel like you're getting some benefit from this cooperative or maybe even better, you can contribute something beneficial to the cooperative. That's a win-win for you. That's a win-win for everybody, a part of it. And in the meantime, you got me in your corner. Like you said, the hardest working guy in podcasting, which I appreciate that. I don't think it's true, but I appreciate that. You know, you got me in your corner, like researching this stuff and, and letting you know what's going on. Cause there is, you know, a lot that can change in the whole podcasting technology space that we should be aware of. So that when Rockfin comes around, it's like, oh, okay, this is a new thing. A lot of people are using it. Here's how you use it. You know, here's how, you know, you understand it. What's the next Rockfin? What's the next big app? You know, that's what I'm kind of focusing on right now. You know, where can we go with this thing? And, and what I see happening on the verge of, of like the horizon is like cryptocurrency and podcasting linking. That may be a good thing. That may be a bad thing. I'm not a crypto expert. I'd love to meet one join the team. <laughs> I have a, I have some folks that listen to my show. Shout out to Kev, my producer who are very well versed. So like synchronistically, you know, you build it, they will come. I really think that that's uh, a, a true statement. And, and yeah, I don't want to go on too long. Cause I know you said you wanted to have this end of the free segment, but yeah, all media United, it's a podcast cooperative. If you are looking for a new podcast to listen to, Come check out our website, altmediaunited.com. I just put up a new thing, kind of a randomizer in the sense that like, it doesn't tell you what episode that you're about to listen to. You can only like, you just click the title of a show and it'll play the newest episode from that podcast, which I think could be interesting because it takes the like picking out of it. Like, you know, when you find a podcast, you like find an episode you like, it just throws you right into the, the newest episode. Uh, but then you can also go to the page itself. You can go to the Interverse page and there's a player there. And if you're a browser podcast user, which is a very tiny, tiny percentage of all podcast listeners, uh, you can listen to the podcast through your browser. Uh, if you have a phone and you listen to podcasts that way, like 88% of all podcast listeners, you know, our website's like mobile too. So you can look at it on your mobile phone and it won't be a complete headache. It's a really good site, super high functioning. 
whenever I joined, uh, you've got my stuff put up there really fast and it's got links to everything. So very thorough, very well put together. Thank Amazing you. other podcasts on there. When did you, I'm going to wrap up hour one, I swear, but when did you, <laughs> when did you start? My family thinks I'm crazy. So it's uh, a year in October. So we're about a year and a month old now, but I put the first episode out on October 5th of 2020. And before that, for a couple of years, I had like a slow moving YouTube pseudo podcast called the bud triangle. And it only happened when my friends and I were in the same room. So we were kind of limited. And, uh, and then obviously like Sam and I got uh, together, he, you know, helped me out a bit had me on his show. And, and I was like, well, I'd be stupid to, to go on tinfall hat and not have something to plug. So my first time on tinfall hat was like October 11th of last year. So the, you know, a few days before that, I made sure I had at least one or two episodes on my RSS feed and, and that's how it started. And, and it was interesting because, you know, to bring it back to the family and the Thanksgiving thing and their lack of understanding of all this kind of stuff, I remember like telling them like, you know, the typical questions come up, what are you doing for work? And I'm like, well, actually I quit my job at Amazon and uh, I'm working for Sam Tripoli, a, a famous comedian. And they're like, what, you know, scratching their head, like, huh? And I'm you, like, you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's actually going to be the best. You know, I I'm so excited. Like, and all these things are on the horizon and and it, it has, you know, it has been great. Like literally like a year later, looking back, it's been really amazing what's happened since, you know? Uh, but yeah, that's where the t the title came from. When I told my family like that, I had this cool new job. They all looked at me like I was an idiot, you know? So I'm like, well, you guys just don't get it. And I'm not going to let your bad vibes bring me down, you know? And I'm just going to play off of that in a fun way. And it's always kind of been true anyways, you know, <laughs> you didn't, just because Sam came into my life doesn't make that statement any less, you know, true or more true. It's just, uh, it's just a perfect set of synchronistic circumstances. And then maybe like five months after that is when Alt Media United got going. So in January, February of this year will be probably like a one year anniversary of Alt Media United. So if we could have a hundred podcasts in the cooperative within the first year, that would be huge. We have about like 70, I think 60 or 70 all together right now. So if you're out there listening and you have a podcast, please hit me up. I don't care if it's like about pets, you could a gardening podcast. Anything. Let's get the weaving spiders, a page on there. Definitely. I wanted do to that. mention that before we cut out yes. in our one that <laughs> yes, Mark was on episode 55 of weaving spiders. That was a syncretic researchers dream <laughs> some serious holy grail mysteries going on and so right you started last october you're at 108 episodes already this is why i say that you're so hard working because i might get that many done in a year between now and next year since i started vibrant and i've got two shows but like I'll be stoked that I got 53 or 54 episodes of interverse made in one year so the fact that you're doing so many things and you put together the alt media united site and got 60 or 70 podcasts on there hats off to you man like that is amazing demonstration of flow state and how whenever you're doing the right thing and it's what you love it just comes together and you can do a lot of it so i appreciate you. you modeling that for us and it's Thank been really you. fun first hour looking forward to hour two where 
I want to talk more about, I want you to explain Tartaria to me like I'm a normie. <laughs> All right. And maybe I'm, talking on the mounds, ancient earthworks, other things like that. I've got some questions, so we'll see everyone on the other side. And thanks for being here, Mark. Thanks for having me. So does your family think you're crazy for entertaining ideas like we talk about here? Mine used to, like I said, but they're coming around. I think the year of the cooties gave a lot of ammunition to the I told you so people. <laughs> I try not to be that guy, but it is fun to watch the journey for people who are new to the waking up. And that even though conspiracy is the thing that like jars people and shakes them to consciousness, and that's not always good stuff. I mean, it's never really good stuff. The fact is, when we learn that the mafia runs things, then we can stop bowing to the mafia, right? Whether it's the medical mafia or the government mafia or the mafia mafia, whatever, whichever one, it's all the same. Religious mafia, all one thing. And guys like Mark, who even though it brings friction in some areas of life, Guys like him who are relentlessly themselves in pursuing what it is that they find interesting, even if it's down dark, dank rabbit holes that others are afraid to follow. We need that type of light in the world. And especially in the Libra sense, like this guy who can communicate the ideas well, can flow on and chain thoughts together in a stream of consciousness that is light as a feather, but <laughs> still hits you over the head with a solid board of information. And wow, we've got many things that we've co uh, covered today, like for a unplanned conversation. Sometimes these chats with other podcast hosts are my favorite. We are both generalists and we like a lot of the same things. So in the plus extension, if you didn't catch that, you can find it on rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N forward slash interverse or patreon.com forward slash interverse. Becoming a member to either of those sites will give you access to the second hour of this conversation and help you out majorly, in my opinion, because you'll also get to access the second hour of every other episode I do. Why does that help you out? Well, you're looking for something good to tune into while you do your chores or draw or paint or drive around, whatever it is that you're up to at this exact moment. And doubling your fun with the Interverse Plus is highly, highly efficient, cost-effective, on the Patreon side, it's $5 a month. I mean, could you divide that out for a cost per day? Is it completely negligible? I think so. <laughs> so help me help you. It's the only real means of support that this podcast has got. This podcast being just me by myself. Anyway, enough uh, shameless begging. <laughs> you know you want it, though. Give yourself an early Christmas present. So in this time around on the second hour, we talked about Tartaria. I had him explain it to me like I'm a two-year-old or like I'm a normie. Same thing. <laughs> but we took a healthy and skeptical look at the concept. And maybe it might seem dismissive if you're like really pro-Tartaria. But we just didn't want it to be the overarching story that explains everything. There's too many other stories to fit in there. But everything does connect. And we talked a little bit more about mounds and ancient earthworks. That's something I would like to discuss more at length with Mark and with other people. And got into the electric universe, mud flood, electrolysis conversation, reprising that from when I talked to Ben Balderson. 
And I'm still really fascinated by that and looking for more information. And also talked about the antiquitech of the old world architecture and how electricity was probably being used way earlier than what we're told. And I won't spoil more of the Tartary conversation, but we definitely looked at it like underworld conversation, Tartarus, Tartaria. And then we got into a really interesting tangent on the Wizard of Oz, followed by, and the tangent was long, like he had, he had just read the book. And so that was a pretty interesting aspect of conversation as someone who hasn't read the book. And then I asked him what keeps him in the flow state, because he's clearly quite the achiever for only being in the game of podcasting for a year and doing like over a hundred. Holy crap. So that's somebody to keep an eye on. He's definitely a bright light on the scene and a huge connector of people. Actually, thanks to him that I got to talk to Sam Tripoli on his Rockfin exclusive show Zero. So if you're a Rockfin member and you didn't see that a few weeks back when I posted about it, look for me. I think episode 120. That's a pretty cool number. And there's plenty more things I would love to talk to Mark Steves about. So we'll have to bring him back probably to a Vibrant next now that we know each other. And if you don't know about Vibrant, we do those on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central. Usually last week we were a bit early. Our guests were Buffalo Rambler and Legs, the co-host couple of the False Reality Check podcast. Another show I've been on recently. If you want to go find me there, I think I was episode 31. I've been really making it around the podcast circuit lately. And in fact, I think last week in about a five-day span, I was on about 20 hours worth of shows, my own show included. There were two live Interverse episodes in a row, so we haven't sat here for me to do an outro monologue, just me and you for quite a while. But I hope you like the video format. If you're not tuning into the video format and you're on the audio RSS feed, Check it out. I mean, that's been my emphasis lately is designing a good video setup so that it looks and feels and sounds as nice as possible and that we can show and not just tell. If you're still in the old ways of only wanting the audio file, I get it. And I'll do my best to keep making the show consistently palatable for the audio audience. However, video is kind of more fun. So on my YouTube or my Rockfin or Odyssey page, those are good places to go check out what you missed if you were just listening. And probably some of the conversations lately, especially the one with Gabriel and Cheney about the placenta, lots of very interesting things to absorb there and maybe worth listening to more than once. I've heard people say that some episodes they've listened to several times. And I get that because I've got materials like that that I tune into over and over again, or even come back a couple of years later, just to refresh myself on a topic. I hope that there are a lot of episodes of Interverse that are like that for you out there worth listening to more than one time, especially try to make sure they're timeless content and not something tied to just recent pop culture events. Maybe the one with Jamatronator was a little more recent event heavy, still interesting, and I'm just kind of rambling at you at this point. What I really should tell you about is that I want to work together, fun together, maybe is a better word, fun together with some sound healing. It's been amazing to connect with other people around the world to do these sessions with the tuning forks. And the results are quite astounding. And the more of them I do, the more confident I am in the process and probably like quicker at noticing patterns because. 
there are certain patterns that are just common to human beings. And so I'm getting better at detecting those and pinpointing the way to help really fast. And I'd love to do that together. So if you want to email me about it, chance at interversepodcast.com, we can set up a session and energize the places that need energized and unblock the things that need unblocked and see if a mindset shift comes out of that, that maybe you can stick with and ride with. I know I get a huge benefit out of being a practitioner just because I'm sitting there in the tones myself the whole hour for the session. So it's a 360 win. It's the new game I'm playing. I win, you win. That's the rules of the game. Pretty easy. And we can do divination uh, sessions too. That's another thing. If you're not watching the video feeds of my YouTube or Rockfin, you're probably missing out that about once a week lately, I've kind of slowed them down doing bigger, less common divination videos so that they can roll through the whole week for us. I think that feels appropriate. And on Monday, this recent Monday, I did 1122, an hour long one. And that'll probably be a pattern going forward. So it's just another place where you can connect with the tribe and talk in the live chat and get into the flow state with me about what's going on in the universal energy, the wave that we're all on. Check that out too. There's so much good things. So Vibrant and the Divination videos, if you're just an Interverse podcast listener and not catching those other things I'm doing, it's really a lot of flavors <laughs> that you could add to your buffet. And I hope you do. Not to mention the Saturday night Weaving Spiders Welcome show that I have been getting on as often as possible. I was there for episodes 55 and 56, and I expect to be there tonight. Saturday is the day I'm recording this. Uh, maybe not the day it's coming out. Haven't decided. But right, there's all of these things to check out. Like We're really connecting this organic podcast network through Telegram. That's a beautiful thing. We're doing a lot of fun activities. We've got daily art share groups. We've got a movie watching group where we all watch the same movie and sync with each other and talk about it. Like last night we watched Zardoz, which is actually very fitting. If you heard the plus extension and you've never seen the John Borman film with Sean Connery from 1974, Zardoz, definitely some big connections to the idea of conspiracy and the role of evil in nature and the wizard of Oz. Mm. Just not to spoil it, but there is the word Oz and the name is Ardoz. So yeah, check out Telegram with the link in the show notes as well. And if you want to find any of those things I just mentioned, besides just the group chat, like the art party, the movie watching group, let me know. There's a whole plethora of different ways to connect through that amazing magical app. And I'm really grateful that we can communicate unfiltered, uncensored, no trolls, no weird personas of the profile and posturing with pictures and all of it just seems to be organic mercurial conversation major appreciative for the people on the telegram you all know who you are they're the only ones that i can put a face or a voice to in terms of the audience so i'd love it if more of you jumped in there and we could all connect together it's quite fun uh the other thing is speaking of connecting together a fun web rather than a network perhaps Mark's Alt Media United website, our guest today, he put that together and it's quite a beautiful thing. I hope that you can get in there and find some new shows that may give you a lot of infotainment and uplifting, enlightening infotainment at that. I may just get in there and find something new to listen to myself today. 
I would love to know what you guys tune into. So that's where Telegram comes in handy. Share the awesome material that you're combing over. Now, um, since I've already gave all the plugs, Patreon, Rockfin, I've told you about sound healing and divination services or sessions that we can do together one-on-one. I think that we're good and I've said everything that should be said. Oh, wait, no, there's one other thing. Okay, so on the if you're not following Weaving Spiders Welcome, which I already mentioned, on YouTube, maybe do and turn on the bell because there's a new thing that Jim Maiden, one of the chief spider architects, has set up called Flow State. And I think we're going to be doing these every Wednesday where we get together on a Zoom call. We put our cameras on the art that we're in process with and we talk and we read poems and read short stories and just enjoy that left brain, right brain merger of having something interesting to listen to while we're creating and and sharing inspiration about what we're creating by all showing it to each other. So you can join live on the screen and show what you're working on, or just tune in and be with the live chat and hang out with people there. There's so much goodness in the connecting. And so the live streams and the live chats are really where it's at for me lately. But check that out. Wednesday nights after Vibrant on the Weaving Spiders Welcome channel. We'll be doing these art flow states. And since I'm so jazzed up after an episode of Vibrant, it's super perfect for me to just go straight into flow state and working on art. Just finished a cool new piece. Pretty excited about that I've been working on since August. A lot of fun. Okay, so to finish out the show, like usual, I'm going to play some music and a visualizer graphic art that I made to go with it. That's something I do most episodes and uh, you're missing that. If you just listen to the RSS feed audio only. So stick around, check out this tune. It is an emancipator bootleg with an awesome edition of lyrics from Zen, Zen Tempest. So it's kind of like a unofficial emancipator Zen Tempest collab. It's pretty sweet. Lionhearted is the name of the original track. And I've got that linked in the show notes too. So everything I talked about in this episode is probably linked in the show description. You can find it there and I'll catch you all later. Oh, wait, one more plug in the bottom of the links for the show. You can find Clive DeCarl's shop and the secret energy store where there's great supplements available. And if you purchase through my links, I get some kickback and it costs nothing back uh, extra for you. And either of those places would be a good opportunity to stock up on your vitamin D, your vitamin C, magnesium, important, important essentials from sources that actually care and will give you the high quality. Don't be put off by the prices on Clive's site, for example, because you're getting like a three month supply, not a one month supply, and it's actually effective. Maybe a good idea for Christmas presents too, for people that you know in your life that want to be healthier and you want to give them an easy way to improve their health with nutrition. It's really easy to take magnesium. It is, especially the kind that Clive provides. It's high quality, multiple sources of magnesium in one tablet. Very easy to take. Now, now I'll play us out. That was the last plug. There's so many things going on, so much to talk about. And amazing, amazing guests coming to finish out the year with us. Can't wait. So here's the Emancipator track with Zen Tempest on the lyrics. Hope you guys enjoy that. Much love to everybody, and I'll see you on the next one. Blessings on your path.
feeling trapped Gonna make it snap Open up the lotus Time to focus No, sometimes it feels hopeless But I hope you notice Beauty in the ordinary moments Brewing tea Looking at the omens By the ocean Mountains turning to emotions River flowing Like mother nature's potion Trees reaching to the sky Shooting star blazes by With my brothers And we laugh and we cry Looking at the scene Trying not to define it Thoughts of the past and the future leave me blinded Sitting by the fire, you know I need to be reminded Of the simple beauty Swelling underneath the moonlight Like a Sufi, yeah, you know it moves me And it soothes me Like a healing bomb, stay calm, sweet stillness Palm over palm, looking at the flames dancing It's entrancing, romancing with the mystery Into me, come sit with me As we let every thought go Ancestors in the distance, hear the echo Sitting by the river and I'm witnessing the tide rise Lips begin to quiver as I give into this wild ride The river christens me and fills me with a wise vibe Millions of these microscopic visions and I'm wide-eyed All I gotta do is give my soul to this All I gotta do is feel the hope and let my shoulders lift It's like a slow-mo roller coaster now Holy water pulsing through the moment, so I bow The liquid in me acknowledges and observes All living liquids that cohabitate this earth The funny thing is that love is just a word So you feel the fluid in your body as it bursts And a swirling, whirling dervish unfurls Merlin casts her spells, the sun curls and emerges Bathing the land in light And each morning is like the rebirth of Christ I feel sacred, sultry and scared to life I feel chill, but I'm skilled and prepared to fight It's kill Bill over here when demand is right But most nights more like a little candlelight I can't stand most rap, so I had to write And bring that shit back Back to life, you damn right that I'm nice with it. Kinda like ice on a hot day. Mike's, I could eat me a couple, they would all slay. And I ain't roasting or bragging, I'm being real. I think it's healthy when people say what they feel. Right now, I'm grateful to be alive. And so I'll offer up a blessing, my people thrive. Let all my people thrive. Thrive. Spirit Santo, Sage Palo Santo, Canto de Estrella, standing tall like the Himalayas, looking at the Lila, let it heal ya, you know that I feel ya, my familia, los animales y las plantas, gracias pa' tu medicina, just know that I see you, see me, you're the best company, sending me amidst the entropy, respect for the trees and the land on which you stand. Gifted with these eyes and these hands. Yes, it's so grand from the mountaintops. Turning into sand, birth from the womb, man. In tune with cycles of the moon. So I guess it's not just me And Godspeed all things that are conscious Breathe, it's not easy Doesn't mean it can't be done I stand tall and relax like a champion I am the sun Yeah man, I am season Shit, I am exactly what I am Because I am the love Am the demand We must become stronger Brave, courageous, more calm Wave to the baseline Breaks of the song And it's constant Nobody can shut that door Love that core Honestly, I want that more Than most fake bullshit
bullshit at the fuck ass store it's not worthy i ain't gonna waste that time it ain't working i don't want to pay that fine i feel certain everything will come back time it's not quite as fixed as it was at times i'm not perfect but i have a love that shines that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun I kinda feel like I am the sun at times. Swear. Feel like I am the sun at times. Swear. I kinda feel like I am the sun at times. Feel like I am the sun at times. certain everything will come back time it's not quite as fixed as it was at times i'm not perfect but i have a love that shines that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times feel like i am the sun at times that's why i kind of feel like i am the sun at times feel like i am the sun at times